Hello. Hi. Who are you? I'm Oliver. Um, yeah. Okay, so so actually, I'm not going to do... This is, this is how people... This is what everyone's going to hear from the beginning. The moment they click play, like... You're not going to do an introduction? No, no, this is it. Is that because I said that I couldn't listen to your podcast because of the long introductions? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, hi. Um, welcome to Alex Listens. Uh, this is a podcast. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> That's all? This yeah. is Don't you normally say about nothing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really glad that's caught on because I actually yeah. only said that twice. Oh, really? Yeah. This year, that's basically your catchphrase. Really? Wow. Well, hey, welcome to Alex Listens. This is a podcast about nothing. Yeah. Like that? When you say it like that, like you really lean into the word nothing. 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 Um, yeah, that's good. Okay, cool. Well, let's keep this introduction snappy and get to the real meat. Because <laughs> there's going to be so much meat. <laughs> so much meat. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to say certain words. Like... No, we're not going to say it. We're no... 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 Gonna. No... 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 Um, so, uh, Oliver, you're my, uh, you're my friend. Yeah. And you're my housemate. Yeah, we're both. We're both. We're multi-rolling, like uh, when people are on small islands and they have to be the postman and the mayor and the ambassador and the ferry driver. At the same time. At the same time. And you do that, you like take off, you go, hi, but you don't shake hands because of... Because of... Yeah. But, and then you, t- you, you put another hat on. Yeah. And then you're the lawyer. Yeah, because and- we have a lot of legal issues between us. <laughs> <laughs> we do. <laughs> Yeah. I just I can't believe the just the way you treat me and and I just have to take you to court. Yeah. N- yeah. Now. It's true because well to be honest probably the main problem is that we make so many contracts with each other. Yeah. I mean it's just that it's just that kind of house really. Um Yeah. Toast contracts. Uh <coughs> uh uh br- breath contracts. <laughs> <laughs> breath contracts yeah that's about that's not that's not what you think it is i don't know what you think it is but that's not it about something else oh um well uh just just for context um like if you were to describe yourself in one word Mm mm-hmm uh, and and you need to be really strategic here because yeah. this is all people are going to know about you. Yeah. What word apart from Oliver would you use? Sugar plum. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, you said it. <laughs> um. Uh, like like actually or in stupid verse. Uh both both. Oh okay. Real world and then and then. Re- sh- in the real world. I first? forgot to pour tea. Yeah. Oh, and now you're like wrapping your headphone around the thing. Oh God, it's bad. You pour some tea. Okay. So Alex is Alex is drinking tea from a thermos that I bought. That he he bought the thermos, not the tea. I bought the tea. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And I'm. Do you know the other day when we were in, we went to a cafe, and Alex and I went there to work, and he bought one tea. And then a thermos of tea, and he stayed in the cafe for like three and a half hours, filling up his cup from the thermos. This is actually a true story. It's a real story. This is a real, and you know what? I like, I like, I justified it. I tried to justify it to Oliver. I was like, look, 
Yeah. I don't want to keep ordering the same shit. I want to have a lot of tea. I want to give them some money, but not all my money. Mm-hmm. And that's, so that's what I did. You had this really firm justification at the beginning. And by the end, you felt kind of like really unsure of yourself. And you were almost like, I could see you kind of like collapsing in on yourself like a prune. Oh, yeah. Wow. Maybe that can be my one word. Like you're a, you're a sugar plum and I'm a prune. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm wrinkly and sweet and you're like... Crystallized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, so Alex is drinking tea, and I'm drinking wine. I I've never seen you drink wine. No. And and you're holding it like you're holding it like someone who's just been released, who's just come into society for the first time. And I read about drinking wine in a book, <laughs> but it wasn't. It didn't have words. It just had photos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I actually have a book like that in my room. Really? Yeah. A book of hand gestures. Mm. You've, I think, have you seen it? I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Yeah, I, I only saw one page. <laughs> <laughs> I, saw, I just saw one page. You know which page that was? We could probably do ASMR, you know. Uh, yeah. Does do the listeners... Hang on. <clears throat> Let's take a poll first, because I think it should be consensual. Okay. Listeners, would you like us to do ASMR? Um, am I the listener? Nope. Okay. How... Just leave a space. Okay. I thought you were good at listening. Okay, okay. I'm going to listen. Okay. Is that a yes? Yeah, they, they want it. Oh. They want They want it. They want So, today is... Yeah, it's wine drinking ASMR time. I'm holding the teacup and it's really, really, really burning my hand. Oh no. Really bad. Really do, bad. do you think that? Do I think that? That's that's probably not very ASMR. Wow. The burning thing. Just maybe hold it by the handle. <laughs> yeah. You should hold it up by the handle. Oh, hang on. Wait, let me take a sip. Oh, dude, I've got the headphones on. I've got the headphones on and I turned your, your like levels up a bit. And like the swallow, my body reacted as if I had just swallowed. I I think. Wow. Yeah. It actually, it felt really strange. That's weird. Yeah. Cause it, you know how like you can hear yourself swallow Mm. like really loud. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was kind of inside you. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's actually literally (laughs) is inside you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's um, nice. We actually probably, like, sometimes I wonder, I wonder, like, what would happen if I just did something. Because, like, I guess there are some people who listen to this, like, yeah. like who li- who've listened to every episode. Uh-huh. And, like, I feel like I've kind of got into some kind of rhythm. Yeah, yeah there's some consist. You're going to talk about the brand consistency now. And, like, all yeah. that I want is just to maintain my brand. I yeah. just want to... But, no, like, what would, what happens if you just, like, throw something... Like, it, like it, what happens if we just did 50 minutes of ASMR and spoke yeah. and spoke about, like... My my name in a, my name. Sugar Plum. Sugar Plum, yeah. Yeah. Or stupid stories about you drinking tea in a cafe. Yeah. What what else? What else? <clears throat> because I, I leave tomorrow. Yeah. And it's really sad. Yeah. And and I feel like it's been so sudden that I haven't had any time 
Like it doesn't, I don't, like, I say that. I say I leave tomorrow, but it doesn't, it doesn't really mean anything mm. yet. Like, I, I, yeah. And I know that, like, I'll get back to Melbourne and I'll just, it won't mean anything either. Mm. For, for a while, I think. Because mm-hmm. um, I've never had such, I mean, many, no one's ever really had to change this way. But, yeah. What, like, how would you, how, like, what, what are some, like, what are some cool things that have happened in your life? Over, not not like the, I'm not like as not, a result of you. No, no, directly no. related to you. D- no, no way. Like, yeah. What like what are some cool things <clears throat> over the past few years that have happened in your life? Like what are some cool you know like when that guy Alex came into your house and you were like wow what a cool guy like stuff like that. Well, I like uh, yeah you're being very light and gentle, but actually when you came into the house, I just uh, broken up with someone who was very significant in my house. I'm just going to take it, like, way into the... <laughs> just knock this one out of the park. Oh, well. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, which, you know, like, isn't... Anyway, you just arrived into this moment where you never met my ex, and then, like, you, you just met me in the midst of this, like, really deep grief, grieving process. And then we <clears throat> hung out a lot and, like, chatted a lot, and we developed quite, like, a deep... Uh, exchange of uh talking about each other's stuff the emotional stuff that was mm. going on and we did that a lot and now uh i i went through a huge journey with that um not just with you but with myself and in like a searching and kind of finding uh parts of myself that i'd been rejecting and and kind of letting them back in again and now <clears throat> there's this and now you're just about to leave really unexpectedly and just before you, just before now, I just really unexpectedly reconnected with my ex. And we're, I'd, you know, I don't want to put too much weight on it or anything, but we're kind of seeing if we can, um, we can kind of like start things again. And there's, a, isn't the world full of strange circular symmetry? Uh, yeah, that sounds kind of, that's kind of crazy. That actually is, I didn't, yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. Mm. Um. You're like um, Mary Poppins. Okay. I, you know what? I like, yeah. maybe I've seen that, but maybe oh. all I know is like, <clears throat> spoonful. Of, oh. Yeah. So she just arrives into the kids' lives at a time when um, they're growing up and they're becoming almost, they're kind of 10 and 8 and they're almost impossible for their parents to handle anymore. And their mum is in the women's lib movement and their dad is a banker and they just don't like know what to do with them. Wow. And then Mary Poppins arrives and just completely transforms their life uh, and takes them on all these magical adventures and uh, reunites them with their parents kind of through like, and like lets their parents kind of remember how to have fun with their kids. And then she f- drifts off again mysteriously into the ether yeah wow yeah and then the, they have fun with yeah friends? and then they're like healed somehow wow so she's this kind of magical healing character that arrives out of um the sky on it, floating on her umbrella is there meant to be some like deeper moral lessons that we're meant to learn does she teach parents how to be does she teach kids like listen to your parents like eat your mm. medicine no, she's more, yeah, she's more teaching the, uh, um, 
she's doing a lot of things actually she's reminding the kids she's letting the kids feel like okay they have to they have sometimes they have to do things they don't completely want to but it's all right if it's like mixed in with with fun and like if you if you don't fight against it in a really used pointless way uh but mostly she's teaching the parents how to have fun with their kids mm. and mostly she's just having fun mm. just like herself there's so much there's so much healing in play there's so much like healing in play and having a joyful time it's really and 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 you can't always put your finger on that and say that means this and this means that sometimes just play is just unraveling untangling the knots that are like lodged in people gives space mm. Mm. see i feel like <clears throat> um in our relationship there's been a lot of untangling mm. of things but but i like you're not a kid <laughs> but like may- maybe i'm the kid because there's uh, like there's like quite a big age difference between yeah you and i um yeah i don't think i've i don't think i have i don't think i had a friend like an actual someone who i would call a friend mm-hmm. who was really yeah like i don't think i really knew many people well apart from my parents who weren't in their like mid 20s yeah yeah yeah, I'm I'm 37, so I'm four, 15, 14 years older than you, 15 years older. Which year are you born in? 83. Okay, 13. 13 years older. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that's nice, mm. I guess. Mm. Yeah, I don't have a lot of friends that are like, yeah, more 10 years difference for me. Mm. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, and it, like, yeah, I feel like, like I feel like you've taught you've taught me that like that like people are people that like youthful energy and like playfulness doesn't die <laughs> when people because I really thought that mm. yeah and I think that's why I think I'd always been skeptical of people who are older like I I don't know my parents uh-huh. are like both really cynical people and they're kind of like like I um, met your mum and I <laughs> contest your assertion. No, my I mean my mum's playful, but yeah. like like she's a real pessimist. Okay. Um but like she's my mum as well. Yeah, yeah. You can't see her the way other people maybe see her. Yeah. 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 Um But yeah, like uh what? When your mum came, uh, she and I bonded over like tending to the house plants and we didn't even actively bond over it we just kind of without saying anything we just started tending to the house plants together and just talking about the house plants and your your mum started um taking uh like helping me take cuttings and to to propagate new house plants and things like this it was yeah we just which is i i think those things where you just start to do an activity together without speaking a really rare without deciding to do it mm. a rare and and really beautiful mm. yeah we have done a lot of playing yeah and and i think yeah i think it's um i think it's it's really important to hang on to childlike qualities as you get older and remember those that playfulness and i think i have the have benefited from my parents hanging on to that all the way through their lives mm. and um 
and and I think that comes from their parents or their grandparents t- doing that too. Um, are your but, parents play for people. Yeah, okay. they are. They are. Um, but yeah, we play. We play quite a lot, mm. and and, uh, and um, go into the realm of absurdity sometimes, just to kind of keep things um, fish shaped. Mm. Yeah, I I feel. I feel like I went through this really weird time, mm. maybe uh, in 2018 for the first like nine months of the year or something. Mm. I like convinced myself that I was really serious mm. and like distanced myself from people who were like, well, like saw myself as being different from people who were like playful mm-hmm. and like who wanted to laugh about silly things mm. and I don't think that was a very happy time for me. Okay. Um, but maybe, yeah, like the weird thing about talking about psychology is that, yeah, and like this is something that really overwhelms me actually is that like as soon as I, like I feel comfortable, I like feel calm when I start, like when I started saying that I felt calm and then there was a change when I realized like just how much uncertainty there is about why I felt that way and like what changed. But I guess um, tell me more about that. Okay. Um, well, I mean, like I felt really, I was like, I'm a serious guy in 2018. Mm-hmm. And then like towards the end of the year, I was like, I'm a really unhappy guy. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like 2019 was pretty weird. And then I like left Melbourne halfway through and then had this like weird few months of travel and then came to this house. And I feel like I've become more and more playful as I've lived here. Mm-hmm. And even in, the, in this podcast, like initially it was like pretty serious. And I was like mm-hmm. interviewing academics and like would like spend a lot of time. And I was like, it needs to be tight. It needs to be like really firmly held together. I, mm-hmm. There can't be any like mistakes. Like but, this episode, for example. Like this episode, like yeah. it's like tight, no mistakes. Yeah. Like it was all scripted. Like we're both reading from pieces of paper. Like yeah. you're getting a toe massage as we speak. Yeah. Like it's just, yeah. Um, um, and now like, now I feel pretty different about things. And right. like, I feel like I play a lot more. And I think, <clears throat> I feel like I laugh a lot more as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I, some of the shit you say, like, <laughs> like I feel like I laugh a lot. Yeah, when you first came here, you know, you said, um, I don't know if you remember this, but you said, like, I don't like to get into that giddy state because I feel like I lose control and I don't know what I'm doing. Do, I don't even, I don't yeah. remember saying that. Wow. Yeah, you kind of said that. And then, and now I feel like you get giddy all the time. Yeah. I would, yeah. <laughs> You're the giddiest. <laughs> I actually think I am the giddiest in the yeah. house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. It's really nice. I think that, um, yeah. I think that the thing that play and being an absurdity and laughter bring to uh, being serious, like having a serious outlook and having a, um, a making a serious attempt to move through the world well and with and thoughtfully, is that they allow f- the what play gives space for is the admission of that it's more complicated than you can understand, that anyone can understand that play gives you this space where you can um where you can be unsure and you can be uncertain and that is still going to have a good outcome that there's no right answer that um if you're if you're playing w- with good intentions and with your eye on the other people involved and making sure everyone's having you know that you're not um 
upsetting anyone with with your play or it making anyone feel like something's unfair that it's okay like everything's okay and the, and and the and life contains a lot of that and i think when when we get if we try and hold ourselves to serious standards at all times and to having the right answer and kind of knowing what's going on that's kind of mm, really really exhausting because the world is so full of contradiction nuance that there's no way we can contain all of that and come out with the right answer there's no way of doing the calculation and getting the sum right and and so like not that we shouldn't have those intentions to get those things right but having a play in the mixture just gives you enough room to like remember that it's actually more complicated than you can hold mm. yeah mm. and that like yeah and like i think like i i i still have a hard time not slipping back into a way of thinking about the world that looks for certainty Mm. and like wants to have mastery over everything like when i was saying before there was like i started talking then i was like shit i'm getting overwhelmed okay and like when i was talking about my psychology and i was like i had that realization that like these things are just like like how do we even know yeah and like yeah there's something about like play tell me if i've lost you no No? i'm listening okay um there's something about play that like that like trend that like with me that pushes me over the obstacle of uncertainty Mm. and like the discomfort of uncertainty or like Mm. i almost forget about it Mm. um and like i yeah i feel like really like uh yeah really i don't know just like really free and like yeah and like it's i think it's it's special because i don't feel like that all the time Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's special because it shows me that like like the world that like yeah life isn't like this really like serious competition and race for productivity and power and whatever yeah yeah and like y- yeah I guess and solutions yeah and yeah 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 there's got to be a lot of space in, in between that for uh just um uh for um nonsense nonsense mm. Mm. yeah absurdity yeah. yeah but like how have you always been like this have you what ridiculous <laughs> yeah <laughs> i had a little bit ridiculous around the edges okay um but like yeah how, did have, you ever yeah, go yeah. through a serious do you go through a serious um phase? yes i think i did i think in my early 20s i was quite f- I was quite like firebrandy about um politics and uh and the environment um in a in a in a way less well informed and articulated way than you are by the way uh, at a similar age I think because I just yeah I mean I I always find it very impressive when I get to talk to you about things or or really informative and that's really nice. Thank you. That's really nice. Yeah. But um but yeah, I went through a, a quite a fire brandy kind of phase, and I and actually maybe sim- in a similar way that you describe, I just it, I found it overwhelming, and I got to the point where I just couldn't really engage with it anymore, and I disengaged a lot. And actually, I'm quite careful about how much I engage with with the news and with uh, stories 
of how the world is. I keep in touch kind of basically with how things are. Um, just because I don't think I don't you know, I don't think it it I I just can't handle it. It makes me too sad, and then I can't do anything, and I'm much better off. I do much more good when I'm functional. <laughs> mm. Yeah, um, <clears throat> playing with people and telling stories and doing um, silly stuff. Yeah, mm. yeah. Do you like? How do you feel about uh, this? This might be too much of a too serious a turn. Yeah. But how do you feel about like? Do you feel irresponsible? Do you feel like selfish about making that? About like distancing yourself from like what's happening outside in the world, so you can continue doing stuff in your life. I feel pressure around that. Um. I feel I feel a certain amount of pressure about it sometimes, and when people do talk to me in a really well informed way, I kind of think, "Oh gosh, I haven't kept up with this. <laughs> like, what's going on?" But uh, and a, a friend and collaborator of mine has this great phrase that he uses to kind of talk about this kind of thing, which is just, "You've got to accept your finite nature." And there's a and there's um <clears throat> and and when you accept your finite nature, you can do the most good. Because you 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 under you recognize the field of activity that you have at your disposal, and that is where you can do good, and that is where you can bring joy, and that is the field where you can reduce the amount of harm that you have. And if you try and do that in a in a field way beyond your capacity, or understand the field way beyond your your reach, it becomes for me certainly it becomes like this bottomless task that i can't even start um and there's a great <clears throat> there's a there's a there's this kind of um probably um corrupted and passed down through many mouths um story a, sto- a story from uh i think it's from the the jewish kabbalah uh, tradition sort of mystic tradition in judaism um and and it kind of speaks to this. I don't, so there's this story of Yahweh, um, who's God, uh, and that before there was anything, there was just nothing at all, absolutely nothing, um, ap- apart from there was Yahweh, of course, and then there was also seven jars in the nothing, and the jars had inside of them the light of the universe, and then the jars uh, fell and broke, and all the light and all the light as in all the maybe all the good or the light or the good fell out of the jars and came tumbling down out of the jars through all these different veils of all these different layers of the universe and finally they settled um and and they were kind of lost or scattered uh but they f- but the, in that falling they formulated the earth and and almost in response or as a kind of inevitable consequence of that humanity was born um and humanity is a creature or is a force in the universe that has the ability to lift that light back up and offer it back up like to replace it to kind of find its place but in the tradition of this lost light is there and humanity's purpose is to lift it back up but it's not anyone's purpose it's everyone's purpose 
that nobody has responsibility for all of that light. Everyone only has the responsibility to lift up the light that lies by their hand. That everyone who finds the light lying by their hand has the responsibility to lift that light up. And that brings me a lot of comfort. Um, yeah. You have the responsibility to lift up the light that lies by your hand. Mm. And if and if you do that and if others do that, then then the light gets lifted up. And what that gives you is the is the responsibility to pay attention and notice when there is light to be lifted that is within your reach. Mm. It it it's not a it's it doesn't diminish your activity. It just reminds you that you you've you've got to keep your eyes out because there will be light that isn't beside you. But but you don't have to worry about the light that's over there and trying to get over there because whilst you do that, you'll be treading over all the light that you could have been lifted up on the way. Mm. And I think that that is a really... Yeah, I mean, that in your response to your question, that is kind of where I how I feel about that. That's where I've settled. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because, place. I mean, that, that calls for a lot of self-awareness and an understanding mm. of, like what your strengths are and mm. what kind of what kind of stuff you can do well and what kind of stuff you can't do well mm. yeah yeah i like i like that i mm. like that what would you call it is it just a story that story yeah i well <clears throat> is it like a f uh like a fable no um so a fable is a story about animals that is oh. short and has a normally has a um um a fairly direct moral okay. or a very direct teaching maybe it's a i think it's just part of the um i actually don't know enough about the the jewish um tradition to to, to answer that mm. but it's part of the kabbalah mythology or kabbalah uh, religious stories mm. yeah and i think it's probably a, a real kind of um uh cherry picking I I tried to find it. I heard it told, and I tried to find it as as a, in some kind of more original source. And it's so complex. The Kabbalah the Kabbalah texts are so complex that I think this has been kind of extracted by some clever um, storytelling rabbi or or you know preacher or or thinker and uh, extracted into this story um, that's a bit more digestible. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um. Another thing that uh, that you do that people might not know is that like part of your work is storytelling. Yeah. Um, so uh, I was wondering whether you could... I asked you earlier today, hey, Oliver, <laughs> you want to tell me a story on my podcast? Would I tell you a story? Yeah. Yeah. Or um, two, or like, or, or one, or two. Well, we had one. We just had we just a quick had one. one. Um... Yeah, I can tell a story. Okay. I can tell a story. I can tell a fable, actually. Whoa. I, you wanted a scary story, but this one kind of is scary in a way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do you want a fable? Um, uh, which, what What do you think? Um, I, can we I, do both? Yeah, fine. Let's, yeah. let's do both. Yay. Okay, let's do both. Okay. Do you need like the reason why I'm being reticent is because the scary story I haven't told it in maybe two years. So, bear with me, listener at home. 
when I tell the scary story, it will be stretched out of the very river bottom of my memory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But this fable is quite fresh, so we can tell that one. Okay. And then we'll, we'll move on to the scary story, maybe to finish. Okay. Do you want water or something? Yeah. Okay. I'll go get water. Okay. You, do you want to like do it like... Should uh, I do a, so- a song whilst you're gone? Uh, you know what? Do you want a song? <clears throat> okay. No? Yeah. You can yeah. cut it no, out. No, no, do it. Are you sure? Yeah. Starting now. Starting now? Okay. Um. <clears throat> uh, okay. So this is a song about... Uh, what? Which song shall I sing? Shall I sing a song about um, uh, shipwreck? Or... Um, what other songs do I know? Well, let's just sing the shipwreck song because that's the one I've been thinking of. This is just whilst Alex goes and fetches water. Okay, so um, <clears throat> uh, I'm going to sit back because I'm really loud when I sing. Okay. Wild and furious blew the blast. And the clouds were hanging round. Oh, I've started too low. I'm going up. I'm going up. Wild and furious blew the blast. And the clouds were hanging round. When the Dandenong from Melbourne sailed. For Newcastle port was bound. With 83 Poor souls on board Through the waves she cleaved her way And it's sad to relate Her terrible fate T'was just off Jarvis Bay And I dreamed of you and I dreamed of sleep And I dreamed of being warm But through the night I'll have to sail Oh, through this raging storm while steaming through the briny waves, a propelling shaft gave way. And the waters they came crashing in, which filled her with dismay. All hands on board did all they could, till at last all hope was gone. And they raised a signal of distress on board of the Dandenong. And I dreamed of you. And I dreamed of sleep, and I dreamed of being warm. But through the night I'll have to sail, all through this raging storm. And it was not long until the bark 
A brave and lively crew came bearing down, and the captain cried, We'll see what we can do. Came bearing down with might and main, in spite of wind and wave. They did all they could, as brave souls would. Those precious lives to save, and I dreamed of you, and I dreamed of sleep, and I dreamed of being warm, but through the night I'll have to sail. All through this raging storm. And some in boats they try to re reach That brave and lively bark. And numbers of their lives were saved When the night came on pitch dark. What mortal man then could do more when the storm increased on strong and the rest now sleep in the briny deep along with the dandenong and I dreamed of you and I dreamed of sleep And I dreamed of being warm But through the night I'll have to sail All through this raging storm Wow. Yeah? Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> that was so beautiful, Oliver. Ah, thanks. Uh, oh. Yeah, I love that song. I, I love that song as well. And the chorus. The, and I dreamed of you, sleep, and I dreamed of you, and I dreamed of being warm. Mm. And it's just so where did lonely. You, where did you get it from? I used to be in a sea shanty choir. Singing uh, sea shanties are for those that don't know they're working songs um, that sailors that sailors would sing to mostly to keep them in rhythm and to keep their spirits up because um, sailing was and still is an incredibly dangerous um, occupation. Uh, so they would sing these songs to just like keep the group together, um, and that wasn't a sea shanty. That was a ballad that was written. Um, in the 60s i think uh and it's about uh <clears throat> um and oh and it's they sail from melbourne yeah because the yeah. dandenong is yeah right that's a it's a mountain range ah in melbourne is it yeah okay and there was obviously a ship named after the mountain range okay. that sailed towards newcastle which is in the uk okay there's also a newcastle in australia ah so it may be there actually yeah Maybe it oh, was. Oh no, may no, but it may maybe they were sailing to Newcastle in Australia. Okay, yeah. but um, well, whatever. It's <laughs> a sort of uh, yeah. But actually, you know, um, 
that chorus just uh, feeling a little uh, lonely and a little lost and a little far away from the ones you love. It's kind of kind of uh, uh, pertinent. Well, yeah, yeah, and and it's a hard thing to do to feel warm and held when you're not when you don't have when you're not doing the things that you normally do mm. um and when you can't do what you want to do um mm. and we forget we forget how nice we forget how nice it is not being able to do what we want to do yeah and and yeah yeah it's actually really uns- it's really unsettling yeah and we're all we're, you know obviously we're just coming to terms with that in a way that we've never had to before yeah do you, do you need to... Can, can you move a bit closer? Can I move a bit closer? Do you need... Do you, like, get comfortable. Oh, yeah. I was comfortable. You were comfortable? Okay. Yeah. I, I was perching on the edge of my seat. Oh, okay. Because you moved back um, before you sang your song. Oh, yeah, I did, yeah. No one's ever sung a song on the podcast before. Yeah, well, now they have. Now they have. I was going to tell a story and then I sang a song instead. Wow. Yeah, I can tell a story as well if you'd like later on. Um, Maybe we should... Um, no, I, I mean, I want yeah. you to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, there was one thing that I... Uh, there was one... one. I mean, we're trying to... We said before that we weren't going to say... Um, we weren't going to say... <clears throat> we weren't going to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but um, I feel like you... I, like, I, I want to ask you about it. Yeah. Okay. Just just one one thing. Yeah. Um okay. Uh um what do you think people need to what do you think people need to think about in a time where it seems like everything is being closed and people aren't going to be able to see each other? How do you think that we need to stay warm? How do you think that we keep warm mm-hmm. and that we keep um we keep okay and that we keep we, we care for the people who need to be cared about and that we don't just try and keep doing what we've always done because we can't we can't keep calm and carry on that yeah that that's where it could work for a, a few days and then get overwhelming um I, okay it's a big question yeah um well how, what, i have some p- perspectives on it well what do you what do you like how, how what, yeah what do you think um like how are you thinking about this how do you feel about it I guess so I mean it's it's been blindingly fast especially for I think more so for me than for you because you've been reading about it quite a lot for for the last week let's say whereas I was working very hard on a project which got cancelled on Tuesday <laughs> I work uh, making events and and uh, with children and 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 also doing storytelling and all kinds of things and and that's a an industry that's um uh one of the industries that's that's just completely vanished in this time uh so yeah so until yesterday morning i was working away doing normal things and then in the afternoon it was all gone so i've had that kind of time to to adjust in a way um and such a long time Sorry? Such, such a long time. Such a long time. Like, <laughs> what was it? Twenty-four hours. <laughs> yeah. Such a long time to 
Yeah. But um, <clears throat> the things that for me have emerged as being really painful in that time is is to be away from um, someone who I'm like rebuilding a relationship with that feels really difficult that that felt that that had a process that was going on that this has radically changed and it and there was a really kind of painful period of time of just feeling like I don't know how to operate that now and then we talked to myself and my partner we talked to each other um about that and kind of made sure that we felt like we had meeting seeing each other in person somewhere pegged into the future um and i think so i think that that uh, i don't know how to frame this as the answer to your question really but that um the need to actually be with the people who you who for whom touch and closeness is an integral part of that relationship um to have a plan around that and to think creatively around how you you do that so we've started passing each other voice memos and that kind of closeness of voice is really important somehow um and i think yeah to um in this house we've been pretty amazing like talking about supporting each other and listening to each other's needs around having some space from talking about this subject having um so that it doesn't become like an endless soup of uncertainty that there's space for play which gives you a kind of um a relief and a release um i think um uh and another thing that has really helped me is because i i have lots of people who I I tend to feel a little bit responsible for the emotional needs of, even if they're also feeling responsible for my emotional needs. You know, it's often a reciprocal relationship, but I have lots of people in my life who I have an emotional bond with, um, which is fantastic, like really great. But it's hard to talk about being stressed and upset with those people without feeling like I'm affecting them. Um, and this morning I went to uh, my therapist and um, I have, I've been seeing a counsellor for the last maybe eight weeks and uh, and having a space where I could be angry about the things I wanted to be angry about and miserable about the things I wanted to be miserable about and and talk about the burden of ha- of reaching out to the people who I really want to reach out to but it takes energy to do that without any fear that I was affecting her um, because there's the established uh, distance between us was really important and I would encourage anyone who is able to access something like that and I don't know what that is like talking to your pillow (laughs) or is not really the same (laughs) recording a journal um, where you can vent all of those things in a way that's like safe or having a friend maybe if you ha- do have a friend who you just feel like is it's just impossible to do with someone that is really close to you but actually it was really valuable and I think even if you are um, and I'm not saying I am this but 
I, I know someone who feels like they're the rock in their communities and that they're strong and that they don't and because they're strong and they're normally fine they're generally fine that any any time they feel like they don't uh, deserve to have that kind of emotional support like counseling and so on but but I think that it's really important to, to notice that if you are that rock in your community if you are that solid strong voice in your community that is a really really important role and that needs proper support and that that is a burden that is work that is you are putting in energy and you you should allow yourself the the space to uh not be okay for a bit and um and and get the support that that helps you to be that that kind of strong figure um yeah so i think that that's just something that i've like noticed in the last 24 hours uh about and then and then i think with that because i yeah and then i think with that just doing that reaching out does you know reaching out and helping and just staying in touch with lots of people and noticing their needs and trying to open up to their, their needs, their emotional needs, noticing when they need you to acknowledge that what they're sacrificing is really important to them, noticing when they need you to acknowledge that um, they're actually really worried about this or um, <clears throat> is something that um, we can just all do a little bit of and it creates a network of, of security Um that we can all sort of feel a bit more held in. And then um, being silly, <laughs> totally. Like walking, earlier we were, uh, Alex and I were walking around the park pointing at animals that, um, all the animals, and calling them dogs, <laughs> apart from the dogs, which we were calling kangaroos. <laughs> and it was, I don't know, that was important. That That was important. Yeah, that was like... <laughs> Yeah, when the morale is low, um, when the yeah, I think I think you touched on a number of really important things. Just like 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 mental hygiene and mm. like social hygiene. Like not even like obviously, obviously there's like physical hygiene. Wash your hands. But then like yeah, like. We, we need to think about, like, th- this is a time where, where we realize, this is a time when we realize that we have a deep social impact and that, w- mm. like, on the people who we love, mm. because that's what we are. Like, we are people that impact others and we are people who are impacted. Mm. Um and so, yeah, I think you're really right in saying, like, that's why I wanted to have this conversation today because I realized, like, over the past over the past 48 hours, I've been pretty stressed. Like, I decided to come home less than 48 hours ago. Mm. Um, I decided at 1 a.m., like, yesterday yeah. to book my flight. Um, and, yeah, I haven't really had time. I haven't really... All I've been hearing is... And all I've been talking about is like, oh, this happened, this happened, this there's this announcement, but and like that's it's important, as you said, it's important to stay up to date. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it like like one maybe one thing maybe you didn't maybe you didn't talk too much about that actually, but one one thing that 
I think there are some things that are expected of us at this point. Yeah, it's expected right. of us to be up to date. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's extremely irresponsible to ignore the news, yeah. and um, and not to and not to listen to the advice. Um, the second thing, it's extremely silly not to wash your hands and whatever. But like, I, and that I think is because we have a kind of uh, societal duty at the moment not to, even though it's not going to, because Alex and I are, are both not in a risk category. Yeah. That, you know, we're not going to get, we're very unlikely to get very ill from this. Yeah. So all of our behavior around not transmitting this disease isn't directly benefiting us yeah yeah you know it's about uh i don't know why i'm suddenly talking to the audience instead of you <laughs> no no i just no, noticed no. i did that that was weird sorry um listener i well i was speaking to you um alex uh we we're uh, um yeah so like we're you know we're having this uh we're having to think about this as what is the right thing to do for society and I don't know if maybe where you were going with this is that it's it's like easy to forget that there's also this very deep personal, or it's easy to ignore the very deep personal yeah, uh, yeah. impact. What I also realized is that when you told the the story about the God and the seven jars, mm. one of the conclusions from that, from the, one of the le- the lessons from that story is mm. that it's not an individual effort to raise the light, but it's mm. a community a communal, social, societal, international effort. Mm-hmm. And I think now is it, I think that story is truer now than, well, I, yeah, it's, I mean, individually we have a responsibility, but the it's conceptually the responsibility is quite clouded and quite confusing because when we go, when if I were to go, if I, when we were in the park, we walked past people. I don't know who mm. those people are. Mm. You don't know who those people are. Mm. Um, it's hard to, yeah, I guess it, it's, and this is something that I've been really interested in. The, the idea that, um, or the, the kind of, we, we find, at least I find it harder to, to like, I find it harder for strangers to be real. Okay. And yeah. like, like the, the, uh, sometimes I'll have a realization. There'll just be like this moment where I'm like, "Shit, this person like has a whole life like me, and mm. like all of these stories." And I think that, I don't, but like we like we need to remember that that like that we yeah, are when that like this it, is slightly it, different. Yeah, path, like if you see someone doing something that you don't agree with, in like they they just greeted their friend and gave them a hug, it's easy to kind of go, "Oh, they're an awful person. Yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. care about yeah. society." And and kind of forget like that. I don't. You don't know what's going on in that person's life and how much they need that hug and mm. and um, just. I you know it just it's it, that that they have a whole story behind them. Yeah, but that's that's the really that like that interaction, seeing as a third person. Mm seeing two or seeing other people behaving in a way that you don't agree with mm. that is one of the fundamental challenges of our situation mm. because w- on one hand who am i to tell someone 
how to live. Mm-hmm. On another hand, what we know that certain behavior is going to kill people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that yeah, like this is another the coronavirus is an opportunity for all of us to reconfigure and readdress the ways in which we have thought about socializing and 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 engaging with others and and responding to to responding to the needs of people outside our immediate social circles because like when else when else have really apart from if you apart from actively seeking volunteering when else do you really and do you really engage with the needs of people who aren't kind of connected to your life through work or through like yeah yeah definitely or or maybe yeah and i guess like we we probably do it the most as consumers yeah okay but that's which is quite a different and it's quite a distant mm. and and it doesn't a way of doing it it's quite a, a sanitized way of doing it in a way and and like we just so last night we had it like we had that meeting with everyone in the house to decide kind of what we were going to do and we had some slightly different opinions about what that should look like as a response and that which was uncomfortable but we kind of like had to negotiate it and talk about it and i think like we lots of people are probably having to have those hard conversations or are probably avoiding having those hard conversations and it's quite interesting because you're you're having to have a conversation about personal freedoms which have always been personal freedoms are generally kind of lionized in our society that the right to make your own decisions about things mm. without reference yeah and that you should have well like yeah that you should get the information for yourself and then make your own decision yeah. and that like if anyone tries to take that away from you then it's not democracy anymore then yeah. it's not western ideals of freedom and yeah 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 totally um and and that just what i think that that means is that because we are having to have those conversations and because they are traumatic because they go against the way that we've been socialized to think of our freedoms we have to be exceptionally kind in the way that we have those conversations and we have to really remember to lean into an understanding of the other person's story um the stranger's story or, or our friend's story and remember that this is a real deep personal cost to them and and the cost might not be something that we would immediately recognize as a cost um and if we're able to and and you can't have a a a safe and civil conversation without making that recognition really um really um explicit uh because if people don't feel heard then they'll feel like uh angry yeah 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 and and resentful yeah um and yeah like the yeah there's it's it's really it's really hard to think about all that we need to do 
And like, mm. I feel like every conversation I have about like how, as, as how my, like when I think about it myself, when I talk about things with you, I realize mm. that, yeah, that like, there are a lot of lessons about how I live my life and how I can live my life better that I can draw from this because there are some really, really hard questions that mm. I'm having to ask myself. Like, is it okay for me to tell someone not to go and see their partner because <laughs> I don't want them, I don't want like, yeah, I don't want, I don't want like the residual whatever coming back into the place where I live. Like, is it yeah. okay? Like, and then like, afterwards like uh, am i just gonna like pr like do we just go back to normal life and like what does it mean for the future yeah yeah having had that conversation yeah. with someone that yeah. you that you care about um yeah and is in your life then yeah exactly and if you don't really talk about yeah i guess like yeah i think you have to have a, a we have to have conversations about how hard this is yeah to negotiate yeah yeah wow <laughs> yeah that's crazy <laughs> it really it's it actually really, crazy it really is um yeah i mean it's really really batty <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah wow well i mean i'm glad that uh i'm glad that that like I've been able to, over the past few days, limit my exposure to the outside world and be in a house with people who I can talk about. Talk, talk, who, people who... You can talk about? Who I can talk about. <laughs> yeah. That's, I just like talking about... Yeah. You know, so, yeah. You know what I mean. Um, earlier, when we were in the park, uh, dear listener, now I'm speaking listener. directly to you. This section's for Alexander you. Alexandra and I went to the park. It's today. funny, a podcast, isn't it? You like half talk to the person that you're with and half talk yeah, to the audience. Yeah. Um, like sometimes I catch my voice going from like. Shh, Alex, <gasps> I'm talking to the listener. Sorry. Sorry. Dear listener, Sorry. earlier when Alex and I were in the park, we uh, thought for a, a long and hard about what we were going to do. And then we bought each of us like a 12 inch, a 15 inch pizza and a box of chips and uh, fish and chip shop chips which are chunky and heavy uh, and for those of you listening in a place where chips mean crisps that's not what I'm talking yeah, about hot chips. <laughs> I'm talking about uh, big fat potato fries oh yeah and uh, we we ate all of it whilst we were sat watching um, uh, someone playing uh, football with two children and soccer soccer and throughout thanks uh, translator bot <laughs> and <laughs> and throughout eating all these chips we uh, debated whether the adult with these kids was their parent or their carer I, that's a, a really pointless detail but um, the result of eating that many carbohydrates is that w w we our brains are moving at about one third of the normal speed. <laughs> and I'm also gluten intolerant. <laughs> yeah, right. And had had a big a really big pizza. Big big gluten. Yeah. I had a big gluten. Massive gluten. Um, um <clears throat> so that is why uh all of this 
has just <laughs> that's, the so, that's the reason if you're gonna sue oliver or i yeah. you can't wear because we're immune yeah we have gluten impunity <clears throat> gluten impunity do you want a silly song yeah i want a story you want a story <laughs> you want a story i want a story do you want the story about um all right okay we can have a story uh um. Yeah, we can have a story. That's but fine. first, I want to ask you a question. Okay, fine. Sorry. <clears throat> hey, fine. like one one time, yeah. like maybe a month ago, mm-hmm. I was like, "Hey, Oliver, like, what are you yeah. doing?" Yeah. And you were like, "Oh, well, like, in like, in like, six months' time, like, I'm gonna like get a haircut." And I was like, "Wow, like six months, like." That's so long. Yeah. And you were like, no, it's not. Six months is like 15 minutes. And then I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And you were like, so like what my question is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm waiting. My my question is. The lead up to that. why, why Why does time, why does six months feel like a really long time for me? And 15 minutes for you. Oh, it's because you're a baby. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, thanks. <laughs> hey, do you want to tell your story now? <laughs> yeah. You asshole. <laughs> uh, why? Why does it? Yeah. I don't know. There's a theory about this. Yeah. Um, that goes something like uh, um, when you're old, you can't, re- you, you, the frame rate of your brain goes down. Wow. So you actually experience time shorter. Because, like, the number of impressions that your brain takes of the world is lower. Wow. But I I don't know where I got that theory from. But it makes sense. If you're a gamer, then out there, dear listener, this is for you. If you're a gamer, if you're a gamer and you're listening to this, just think about the fact that we went from 60 FPS down to 30 FPS. And then sometimes, just as I as I peaked over 36 into 37, I went down to 12 FPS, barely playable. Anyway, that was just for the gamers. But it's the other way around. What? Like, the lower FPS you have... Yeah. The, isn't, the, isn't, the less smooth it is. Oh, no, that, I'm yeah. thinking about ping. Yeah, oh, you? you want like you want like a billion FPS, I'm thinking, right? Uh, thinking about Pong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, frames per sec. Frames per second. Yeah. yeah. FPS is frames per second. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think it might be because uh, of that, but it might wow. also just be because. Um, what does that even mean, though? Like, like <clears throat> d- yeah. when you when you like go in, when we're in the park, I and s- there was like yeah. the armadillo, like in the lake. And yeah. then there was like the dragon climbing the tree, and the yeah, like was swallowing all those swords. The lady who was walking her walrus, yeah, and and the swans, and like the dogs that were flying, yeah. Um, so like you're telling me mm-hmm. that I look at that, yeah, and then I see a lot, and yeah. Like all you see is you see like twelve swans, and I only see four. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that makes so much sense now. <laughs> now, now I can just go to sleep happy. I don't know what it means. I think it just. Um, I mean, it makes sense. Like, it just makes sense. Yeah. Like I, I, it just is what it okay, is. Okay, so may- maybe like, yeah. maybe like, um, I keep saying like. Yeah, you do. So that that's a kind of British thing, I think. 
Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um maybe maybe it's just like <laughs> I was <laughs> Don't like, think about I was it. like actively trying, yeah. trying to avoid yeah. it. What's happened to me? Someone told me that on the they were listening to it yeah. and they were like you say like a lot. Oh really? Yeah, uh, and then I maybe you could get if you're dear listener, dear if you're listener. listening at home, please write into Alex and tell him how many times he says like and how much you like it. How much you like it? Yeah, that's really funny. Um, I think you should tell a story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell a story. I okay. might look at my I might look at my notes. Okay. Because that's seriously. Okay, seriously. I'm gonna talk for a little bit. Yeah, you tell. You do that. Um. So I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you. A quick story. Yeah, you tell the story. Okay, so it's going to be a story about something that happened to me in 2016. So, I was on the east coast of Australia. And Australia is a big country. And Australia is in the southeast of the map. And it's the biggest country on the oh south this is a, such a, a great story alex thank you <laughs> um no so i was on the south the southeast coast of australia uh, with some of my friends and we hired a car and we were driving from brisbane um to somewhere around uh byron bay um and we camped for a few nights and at just before this trip i had decided that I had a phobia of snakes. And I had kind of forged that phobia for myself by watching top 10 most venomous snakes. Top 10 most... What happened? Nothing. Oh. I'm listening to you. I thought you'd been bitten by a snake on the chin. I nearly got bitten by a snake. Um, don't ruin my story. Yeah. So, um, I had... I had... Uh, I had harvested and cultivated this phobia of snakes and every day we'd kind of drive somewhere and then i'd look out the window and i'd see a bush and i'd be like there's gonna be a snake in there for sure for sure i'm gonna take a step outside and a snake is gonna eat my fucking kneecap and so um i was quite paranoid um and i was quite anxious the whole time because i was convinced that I was just going to get bitten by a snake and die in isolation. Um, because if you know anything about Australia, it seems like the only thing that people in the UK know about Australia, this is a really poor reflection of, uh, of the UK, uh, education system because they don't really teach much about Australia. Um, but it seems like the only thing that people know here is that everything, uh, that like a lot of things can kill you, which is true. Um, like there are a lot of bad snakes. Um, anyway, it's probably really tasteless for me to be telling a story about me being hospitalized. <laughs> uh, so maybe I should prematurely end the story. Really, you're going to end it before the end? <laughs> it's not... Okay, I'll kind of... So pretty much one day we went for a, um, a hike down to this kind of little uh, ravine. I don't actually know... Did you tell this story on the podcast before? N- no. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, good. At least I don't think I'm like I, I I haven't. You don't. You haven't. No. Oh. Do you have I? Maybe I've told you. No, no. See, um, Oliver, when do you tell your story? I yeah. You should interrupt <laughs> me, please. No, I'm as joking. much I'm as joking. possible. I mean, I'm not a storyteller. No, you um, you are. Uh, and so we went one day. 
um, we were, okay, I'm going to make it really rich. You ready for a, ch- a sensory? Please. So one day, my friends, my, my, uh, my friends and I emerged. We, we opened our tents and, and rays of sunlight, dappled sunlight because it was passing through the trees, uh, went into our eyes and we went, we decided to go for a walk and we walked down to this kind of, uh, um, waterfall area. And there was a little kind of, um, uh, watering hole thing where, you know, the waterfall kind of drops and there's a, uh, you can swim underneath the waterfall. So we went into there and I have this, um, we went swimming and on the way down, I was terrified. Um, I kept, I just, I was looking at the ground the whole time, convinced that a snake was going to bite my leg. And my friends were aware of this fear of mine. Um, and I have this particularly mischievous friend called Sam and, um, Sam, uh, was like, Alex, come for a swim. And I was like, no, I'm going to get bitten by a snake. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm going to die. Um, and then I went for a swim and Sam was like, ha ha, like there are sea snakes here. And I was like, fuck off. And then I got out of the water and I looked at my right foot and there were two holes Oh my goodness! on my right foot no. and a bit of blood coming out. Um, I definitely haven't told this story. Have no. I? Okay. Yeah. Um, and I actually, I feel, I, I feel bad about choosing to tell this story because mm-hmm. I didn't think about, okay. Um, why? Just because it, it's a story about hospitalization. Are you worried that people listening to the podcast might be hospitalized? And <laughs> because of because of how incredible my storytelling has been, <laughs> they might just get smacked in the face through their earphones <laughs> by your storytelling. Yeah, maybe I should end my story there. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, now I'll finish it. Um, yeah, finish it. Okay, so yeah. and then um, this is actually a true story. So I guess it's hard to kind of. Um, it's it's hard to i should really stop i should just tell the story um and so i was like excuse me everyone um look at my foot and they were like shit but like ha ha like ha ha like yeah. of course it would happen to you ha 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 oh really yeah um and so i went on google and i looked up uh sea snake bite symptoms mm. and one of them was like heavy tongue and i was like heavy tongue and then i was like heavy tongue <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I can't And um, my tongue was like heavy. Yeah. And then they were like, "What the fuck? Chill out! Like, yeah, this is like some crazy psychosomatic stuff." Um, you stop looking at symptoms. And of course, I kept looking at symptoms. It was like throbbing knee, uh, like dizziness, and like I hadn't eaten for so long. I was super dehydrated, so all of these things kind of um, were contributing to my how I was feeling, which wasn't very good. And so we decided to play it by ear um, because it was extremely unlikely that I'd been bitten by a sea snake mm. in a, like, watering hole. But um, maybe it was possible. Mm. They'd been sighted. S- snakes had been sighted around that area. Okay. Um, and then uh, um, half an, uh, a few hours went by and I was really, really anxious and I was, like, sweating and... Um, one of my friends, Lewis, took me to hospital, and um, the the we yeah we went to we were like quite remote, and um, the people at the hospital were like, okay, you're not dead, 
So you probably haven't been bitten by a snake, but there's some strange kind of, you're like the bite mark looks a bit strange. And I was oh. like, oh, great. Thanks. Thank ah. you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, and they said, go home, uh, like eat something. Um, try not to drink, like try not to eat too much, try not to drink too much. But if you vomit after you eat, like come back mm. because you're going to die. And I was like, oh, oh, thanks. Mm. So obviously, obviously when I ate something, I vomited. So Ugh. we were we were next to this fluorescent lake. Obviously. Obviously, with like fucking this fluorescent lake with like radioactive algae or something. And like yeah. I mean <laughs> <laughs> So we drove from the hospital to this fluorescent <laughs> lake with kind of really cool algae. Yeah. It wasn't actually radioactive. Okay. But, um and then I ate like I had like some bread and I vomited. Wow. This is before I knew of my gluten intolerance. Yeah. Um, maybe that's why I vomited. Um, and then we, yeah, we got rushed. The, my friends rushed me to hospital and and then the hospital was like, hey, we're so rural, we can't even do a blood test on you. And I was like, wow. And so I, they drove me in an ambulance to another hospital and then I spent uh, a long time in, oh, well, like 20-something hours in a hospital bed and then they discharged me. And um, there was a really grumpy doctor who came in who was like, oh, damn you for being bitten by a snake. And they didn't let me drink water and... Um, yeah, my, my, uh, I won't tell you about, um, the experience of having, uh, a lot of blood taken out of your arm every hour when you're really dehydrated. Sounds awful. Um, it was really nice. And then I mm. went and had breakfast the following morning and I mm. wasn't dead. That's my story. Great. That's the worst that I've, that's definitely the least enthusiastic I've been about it. Wow. And, the, mm, yeah, anyway. <laughs> I might cut that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just do what you need to do. <sighs> I, I liked it. Did you actually? I liked the bit about having holes with blood coming out of it. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite. And that's then the best bit. then my friend was like, huh, did you get bitten by a rock? <laughs> and I said, yeah. Yeah. Because he did. Because I did. You did. Yeah. <clears throat> Mm. The same friend who who joked about me being bitten by a snake in the first place. The snakes were. In the there thing. was a little story that I heard about a snake. Uh, uh, when I was just I was just away recently with some storytellers, and um, <clears throat> there are these two guys and they're walking through, uh, like the bush somewhere, Africa maybe I don't know, and they're looking for uh stuff, and they they see a tree and it's got like a beehive in it and. Uh, and then they think it would be good to go up and get the bee, you know, the bee's nest and get the honey. And, um, but the bees are all there and one of them doesn't want to go up there because he's, he's afraid of them. And, and the other one says, oh, don't worry, I'll just do it. It's going to be fine. And he climbs up the tree and he just um, kind of fearlessly like breaks, starts breaking chunks of honey off, of, of honeycomb off and chucking them down, throwing them down onto the ground. And as he does it, his friend sees this uh, black snake writhing up the tree. And he sees it just as it um, strikes at his friend's ankle. But he sees it just too late to say anything to his friend. Like, he, there's no, nothing he can say. And then, he f and then his friend kind of like... Uh, reacts to this pain in his ankle 
and uh, shouts and says, oh, I've been stung, I've been stung. This sounds exactly like what happened to me in the watering hole. It's exactly the same. Yeah. And the snake slithers away. And the friend who's down on the ground, he doesn't know that wh- what to do, really. He, uh, and he kind of does, doesn't say anything. And, his, and the bee, um, the honey friend, climbs down from the tree. And he's saying, oh, I've, I was stung by a bee and I, I feel a bit funny. And anyway, they go on to the town and he's kind of fine. And they and they go on to the town and they, they end up in the town and they have the honey and stuff like that. And his friend like, continues to feel a bit funny. He says, maybe I'm going to go to the doctor. And he goes to the doctor. <clears throat> and um, and he goes to the doctor and he says, um, uh, I'm feeling really... I'm feeling really strange. I was stung by a bee earlier. Um, and his friend says, oh, because he, he says, oh, I didn't say this before because I thought it was going to be okay, but and maybe I should say it now, but there was actually a snake and it, and I saw it and it bit you and it was a, a poisonous snake. And his friend uh, looks at him and then, just drops the moment he hears that he drops dead and that's the end of the story it's a weird story well well wait so is it like (laughs) (laughs) wow okay yeah wow um that's obviously not true no, that's a folk. Yeah. That's a, a folk tale. Okay, and okay, from an African folk tale. Mm. Okay, did someone tell that at your storytelling course? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, that's not. That's not a, a, a true story. Hmm. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, like, like I was for a moment. But it's kind of exactly the same as your story. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, like, I was, I like. Like there was venom coursing through my veins. Yeah, and I was at I was at great risk, mm. and obviously I didn't. I wasn't for a moment anxious that I'd been bitten by a snake. Yeah, and then, yeah. and then you were, and then, but were you bitten by a snake? Yeah, big rock, a rock. <laughs> oh, a dog, a dog. <laughs> I actually was bitten by a dog as well. You were? Yeah, not on the same day. No, no, on the same part of your body. Uh, same leg. Same leg. Yeah. Whoa. I was once bitten by a dog in the head. In. <laughs> in into the head. Yeah. On the head. I don't know how you say that. But At? It drew blood. So I guess the tooth went in. In my head. <laughs> yeah. Is that why you look funny? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what happened? What? How? Um, Were you little? No. <laughs> I was, I was with my friend and she was house sitting she was house sitting for someone like a fucking wolf and they had like a they had a um a greyhound and uh, we were trying to watch a film and the greyhound was <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. being was I really separated in the other side and i i'm not that sure about dogs <laughs> i <laughs> i get i feel a bit weird about them and they and they feel a bit weird about me i was a postman for six weeks and i think they know <laughs> <laughs> no, they definitely know, um, and uh, yeah. So, uh, so uh, 
we were in we were in the one room and it was in the other room and it was getting kind of overexcited and and stuff so camilla led it through into the room where we were watching a film and it was and it got it really wanted to play with me and and it got really excited and i kind of just wanted to chill and watch a film and i didn't want to engage with it and it got so anxious and excited and attention seeking that it just um, jumped up and bit me in the head <laughs> and I didn't know what to do I didn't know how to calm it down or deal with it at all and then my head was bleeding <laughs> and uh, sorry it wasn't I keep laughing hell. it's okay <laughs> it was funny it was funny it was alright I think the dog was more shocked than I was no that's not true I was wow. pretty shocked but we were both shocked. That's really... There's like, just very, very quickly, when I got bitten by the dog, yeah. the dog, yeah, when the one. dog bit me in the leg, yeah. um, I I kind of stood there and the owner was this old Greek man. And I know that he was Greek <coughs> because uh, he said something in Greek um, or something that sounded like Greek. So I've, okay. um, yeah. I, I suspect he was Greek Yeah. Um, because I've heard a lot of Greek... Um, Anyway, uh, he said something, and then I said sorry. Okay. Yeah, I said I apologized for his dog biting biting, you. biting me. <laughs> and then I was like, "Can I have your number?" And I don't know, like, did he think you were asking him out on a date? Well, I, I, dude, I don't know, but like, <laughs> I really doubt yeah. it. Yeah. But he kind of he gave me this look, and then he left. Really. And didn't give me his number. Mm. Yeah. You weren't his type. No, no, yeah. Yeah. But that that's okay. Yeah. That's probably all right. Yeah. <laughs> um. Did you? What did you want his number for? To get like compensation? No, just like so you could phone him up afterwards and tell him what was going on with your leg. Yeah, just in case. Yeah. Well, well I, I I didn't really know what to do. No, I think it's a wise thing. To yeah. Do. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, do you want to tell your story? I can tell this story. Okay. okay. Yeah. Let's I'm gonna. Yeah. Okay. This story is um. Yeah, I guess it's a Scottish story originally. Um, where, whoops. Where do you want to look? Uh, I can look at this. No. I, I don't know. Do you need me to be somewhere consistent? We're doing technical. St- Dear listener, we're doing technical things. Yeah, we need. I need you to be consistent somewhere. Um, can I just? Can I sit like? How can I? I move. I, the thing is, I wiggle around a lot when I tell stories. Is do you want to okay? look that way? Can I look? Can I look that way? Yeah. No, but, I want to look at you. Okay. I mean, yeah. you don't. You don't have to look at me. Yeah, but I do. Want okay. To. Okay. Yeah. You can look at me then. Okay. Okay. I'll be your singular audience. <clears throat> you can be the audience member. Okay. I think you need to lift the mic and move it closer to you. Lift it and move it closer. Yeah. Like this. More. More. How's this, listener? I'm gonna sneeze. Three, two, one. That was the tiniest sneeze in all of history. <clears throat> Okay. This is a Scottish story uh, that I, I don't know, heard somewhere or whatever. Um, it's a folk story. So it um, happens in the past, in the mythological time, in the non-time. Uh, it was and it was not that once there was a fiddler 
uh, and he was a great fiddler and, and he travelled around with his fiddle and his bow from pub to pub playing for his supper he would play great tunes and everyone would dance and tap their feet and then he would be offered food and a place to sleep and the next day he would move on this is how he loved to live his life and he had gathered great skill in his hands and a great many tunes in his head and he could really get a pub up and moving and what the landlords loved was that when people were moving they were drinking ah it really worked. But it wasn't always easy being a travelling musician, always on the move. And one particular winter, the snow came down thick, 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 in great clotted cream swirls across the whole of the landscape and the ice settled in hard and deep right through your bones. And as the travelling fiddle player was walking through this frozen landscape, his fingers were getting cold. And when he reached the first inn, he started to play his tunes, but all the notes were going a little frosty, a little awry, a little bit wrong. His clumsy hands couldn't quite keep the rhythm and nobody got up and started to dance and the innkeeper said oh it's been great having you here but you got to move on when he moved on it was later and colder outside and his hands got colder and his feet got colder and his boots were leaking so his toes were frozen and by the time he gets to the next inn everything was going even wrong his arms were shivering and he started to play a jig and it sounded like somewhere between a, a reel and a and a cough and nobody wanted to listen to that and so he was moved on again and so it went all the way through the evening from pub to pub from inn to inn he got colder and colder and more and more desperate nowhere had a place for him and so he just started to walk down the road hoping he would find some haystack to sleep in or something to sleep in but the night was clear the stars were shining fierce and bright and on those kind of winter nights that cold is poisonous it has teeth it sets right in and he didn't know what he was going to do well the only thing he could do was cling for all his might onto his fiddle and his bow with his frozen fingers and keep on walking down the road. And just as he was passing a turn in the road, he fell over something lying across the road. He scrambled and picked up his fiddle and his bow and he felt around and he found that the lump that had fallen over in, in the road was the figure of a man with a great shaggy beard and a rough woolen coat who was lying out in the snow now by this time the fiddler could hardly feel his hands and he certainly couldn't feel his feet with the snowy water seeping in through the holes in his old broken down boots and this figure well 
this fella was was frozen and when he touched his skin it was kind of hard to the touch it was kind of frozen solid and as he swept away the snow he got to the ends past the knees down to the bottom and this fella had some really nice boots some really good solid not at all holy leather boots and well he wasn't going to be able to use them was he and the fiddler thought to himself for a while he didn't, he didn't feel good about it but he was going to die on the road just like this fella if he didn't do something and so he started to tug on the boots they started undoing the laces and tugging on the boots but they wouldn't come off they were frozen on solid well he really didn't need those boots and so he pulled out his long knife that he always carried around with him and he took a deep breath and he rolled up his sleeves and he closed his eyes and he started to hack at the shins just above the boots and he started to saw through frozen flesh and frozen bone oh finally he severed sinew and he pulled away the boots and the feet and a bit of leg and he still couldn't get them out and so he tied the shoelaces together and he slung them around his neck i mean he'd he'd got them now he might as well keep them and he picked up his bow and his fiddle and he started down the road in his own leaky boots and he kept on going and the night got deeper and the cold got seeping right inside of him and he didn't know if he could go on and then just as he thought it was the end for him he saw a light twinkling ahead just through the hedgerows and he moved on a little faster now with a little bit more hope and he saw a, a little farm shack a little cottage a little croft with a merry glow of a fire oh when you're cold and you see an open fire glimpsed through the window of a house that f- sense of closeness to warmth he went a little faster down the road and he got to that shack and he looked in through the window and there he could see an old couple they were sat across each other from <clears throat> they were sat across from each other at the table and they were eating the thinnest soup he had ever seen and their faces were puckered and wrinkled up and their teeth were jutting out in this kind of way that you knew because the teeth are the organ of aggression that these people weren't friends with each other and he could just barely hear through the single glazed pane of the window them exchanging unpleasantries with one another the old man said oh you saggy old piece of lemon rind you're the bane of my life you know just looking at you makes me feel like my testicles are turning into cabbages 
And she said to him, Oh, you poisonous little worm. Every day you crawl back into this house, leaving a trail of disgusting slime behind you. You horrible, miserable old... The man couldn't really take any more of this, and so he hustled onto the door and gave it a good knock, because he really was cold. And he could hear the sound of two people exchanging glances. You're expecting visitors, my darling. You're expecting visitors, you disgusting toad. Well, go on, answer the door then. And then he heard the sound of a chair scraping backwards. The sound of footsteps and someone opened the door. The miserable old man. And if his face had been miserable in profile, full on, it was like... It was like looking at the bottom of... You know when you burn porridge onto the pan and you know you're going to have to deal with it later? That's what his face looked like. Oh. And he... sucked up his courage and he was shivering and he said please just anywhere if I could just come in and warm myself up by the fire I think I'd be alright and the man just looked at him for a second or two and then he turned away and he said it's a beggar and his wife said well send him away then and give him a kick All right then, darling. Piss off. And with that, the old man gave him a kick in the shins and slammed the door in his face. And the fiddler was left on the doorstep. And he was quite stunned. I didn't really know what to do for a second or two. Boots hanging round his neck. Fiddle and bow in his hand, anger in his heart, feet freezing. We couldn't really do anything, and so he kind of crept away. As he crept away, he saw the barn just beside the croft. Ah, and he slipped inside of the barn. And inside there, there was a cow munching away on beetroot tops. Ah. And the cow was giving off this kind of faint warmth. And he could see just above the cow was a platform where the hay was kept. And so he clambered up the ladder and he buried himself down into the hay. And the warmth of the cow rose up to meet him. And the cold that had been threatening to turn his knees into blocks of wood started to seep out. And he relaxed. And as he relaxed, his mischievous side started to kick in. That old git slammed the door in his face and kicked him in the shins. He wasn't going to let that pass. And he looked down over the edge of the hayloft and he saw the cow chewing at the beetroot tops. And he had an idea. He scuttered down and he took the boots 
from around his neck and he tucked them into a pile of hay right next to the cow so that they were just sticking out with just the stumps, the kind of cut-off stumps of the legs just protruding out from the boots right next to where the cow was. And then he scuttered back up to the hayloft and he started to play his fiddle, just gently. And he could hear from the croft <clears throat> the sound of someone shouting, What's that awful? Oh, he's got into the barn. Go and see to him. And then he could hear the sound of someone taking an axe from beside the fire and scraping his way to the door and coming out into the yard. <coughs> scraping the axe along the ground. <coughs> I'm going to chop his head off. <coughs> and then he saw the barn door. And just then he stopped playing his fiddle. And he saw the barn door rattle and he gave out a scream. And he saw the barn door fling open and there was the sour-faced old man. He was up on top of the hayloft and hiding underneath the hay and just glimpsing this through the hay. And the old man came in brandishing his axe, looking around, trying to see what was happening. And there, all he saw was the cow chewing away with the red juice of the beetroots dripping down its face. And he looked down and saw... <laughs> my phone's banging now. He saw the boots with the stumps sticking out of them. And he thought, the cow's eating the fiddler. The cow's eating the fiddler. Oh, fuck this. I'm not sticking around for this. And he started to run. The old man started to run out of the barn and he ran clear out of the farm. Well, the fiddler laughed to himself and he scuttered down to go and see the boots and he picked them up oh, and they were thawed by now and blood was starting to trickle out of them and so he just pulled off the boots and he took off his holy boots and he put on the new boots and then he um, left the old boots lying there and the stumps as well and he went back up and he started playing his fiddle again. Do, 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 do. And he could hear from the croft from the house, he could hear an old woman's voice saying, Oh, haven't you killed him yet? What's that awful racket? If you need something doing in this life, you've got to do it yourself. And he could hear her taking the poker from beside the fire. And he could hear her scraping the iron poker along the ground. <coughs> As she came across the yard, I'm going to bash his head in. And he saw the barn door start to rattle. And he saw the catch start to open. And so he stopped playing the fiddle. And he gave a scream. <coughs> and the door swung open. And in came the old woman. Looking around, brandishing the poker. And there she saw boots sticking out. Bloody stumps of legs. And the cow... Red beetroot juice 
dripping down its face. And she thought, fucking hell, the cow's eating, eating the fiddler and now it's eating my husband. Fuck this, I'm not sticking around for this. And she turned around and she fled. She ran right out of the door. Oh. Well, the fiddler up in the hayloft was laughing. Laughing and laughing and laughing. He had his new boots on. He was warm now. He'd played a marvellous joke on these two. He came down. He chucked the old stumps of legs away. And he went into the croft. And there was the fire. Oh my goodness, the fire. And he was so warm. He sat down on the chair beside the fire and he stretched out his legs with his new boots on to warm them up beside the fire. And he started playing a little tune. And then there was a knock at the door. Oh. He got up and he went over to the door and he opened it and it swung open and there was a man with a shaggy beard and an old woolen coat, freezing cold, shaking, shrunken with the cold. And he said, Gala, oh, come in. I'm ever so cold. And the fiddler looked at him and he backed away and he said, Yes, yes, you can come in. There's a place by the fire for you, of course. Let me pour you some ale. And he poured some ale from the jug and he gave it to the old fella. And he sat down at the other chair beside the fire. And he was still in high spirits and he said, uh, Yeah, how are you doing then? It's a cold night, isn't it? Uh, what's going on with you? And the old fella said, oh, You'll never believe what happened to me. And he drank some ale and foam caught in his shaggy beard. He said, on my way down the road, I fell over and I bumped my head. And I must have knocked out coal because I was there for a while. And when I woke up, I was so cold. And the worst thing is, someone had stolen my boots. And he stretched out his legs, and as he stretched them out, the stumps of his sawn-off legs started to thaw out and drip blood down onto the rug by the hearth, and the fiddler went white as a sheet. And the old man looked down at the fiddler's feet. He said, yeah, someone stole my boots, and there they are. And then he went for him. Wow. And that's it. Yeah, well. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I hope that was okay. It was, oh, as I said, it was an old. It's an old story that I haven't told in a long time. It was incredible. I like. I left. I really left the room, and mm. yeah, I haven't. I think, yeah, you've taught me the importance of, of, 
of um of like of leaving of leaving of leaving the world of mm. fixed the yeah like uh, yeah yeah thank you <laughs> that is my ple- that is my pleasure alex whatever it is that you were trying to say i'm really i'm glad. just i'm enchanted i'm oh, enchanted that's nice you know when you I'm hear glad. when you hear a story and and then and then you don't know how to yeah. You don't know what to say afterwards, but and then there's the, but then you want to say something because you've got your own podcast and like <laughs> you're supposed to be talking. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. I can I can take over this part if you'd like. Um I think so I you know one of the things is uh that I have been learning about storytelling recently is that stories story especially folk tales especially old stories and this one is slightly modified i think so i don't know about this one but definitely has folk tale qualities around it they like they contain medicine and if you are open to them and that that feeling of enchant enchantment when you hear someone telling a story when you have a good story coming in through your ear holes is is like there's medicine in it even if you don't really kind of know what that medicine is and I think that's really that's something that I that's why I, that's why I'm at the, this year really kind of wanting to dig into telling more folk stories, um, and I think that yeah, folk stories do that, but also just hearing the human voice has that quality, and I think podcasts are so so magical for that because they let they give you like this contact with someone where there's this real there's this space for your imagination to start working and for you to have quite an intimate connection with someone who's mm. far away and that's really mm. that's really great so yeah it's really uh special to be invited onto your podcast alex oh well yeah thank you for taking thank you for welcoming me into london and thank you for welcoming me welcoming me into your home um mm. and thank you for your time today thank you for thank you for sharing your insights into the world and thank you for sharing your stories um i said thank you a lot yeah but i liked it <laughs> yeah um you're, yeah. yeah i i hope to continue i hope to continue uh thinking about the world um as a place of stories and play um and i think that's i think that it's one of the most important things i've learned um in my time here so mm. thank you uh thank you for being a really beautiful and wonderful housemate oliver oh and thank you too alex you know your podcast title is alex listens you you actually are a really good listener and it's been so great to have that space with you in this house to talk about quite deep emotional philosophical strange nonsensical things and just feel really heard and that's taught me a lot i think as well um yeah it's been it's been real you have to come back yeah i do yeah i i will i will and and we'll have another conversation next time yeah that would be lovely i'd love that All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Mm.